0: Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne, I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. Before we start, I just wanted to mention that my 2024 calendar is now available for pre-order on my website. All pre-orders will be hand-signed by me and the first 50 orders will be at a discounted price. Head to grantswinburnephotography.com to check it out. Jack Lodge is a professional landscape photographer and workshop leader from Dorset in the southwest of UK. Through his landscape photography, Jack strives to capture the changes of each season, documenting the landscape as the weather and light shifts. His landscape photography varies from enchanting ancient woodlands in the heart of the Dorset countryside to dramatic seascapes across the iconic Jurassic Coast. Landscape photography is Jack's way of being able to capture moments in time, landscapes which tell a story that will last forever. He's a firm believer in printing his work, bringing the digital form to life through tactile papers and has seen his prints, box sets and calendars shipped internationally. We explore his love for the breathtaking landscapes of the Jurassic Coast, his love of capturing places for people who can't be there, how his workshops work, image licensing, pricing along with a lot more. I hope you enjoyed the show. G'day, Jack. Welcome to Landscape <laughs> Photography World. How are you going? Hey, Grant. How you doing? Thanks for having me on board. I'm so excited to have a have a good chat with you. I'm very excited to talk to you too. Love seeing some of your work on the socials. Why don't we start with you telling us who you are and why you do what you do?
1: Awesome. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, my name's Jack. I'm I'm from a little place called Dorset in the the south coast of the UK and I got a bit of a different background. I started in architecture so my mm-hmm. profession was in the architecture profession. I went to uni, got a camera for, for a little bit as you do. So I started with street photography, a bit of travel yes. and ever since I've escalated it year on year and I quit my job last August. So I'm now full-time landscape nature photography so I run workshops and tuition, sell prints and
0: living, living the dream at the moment. I'm, I feel very lucky. Fantastic, fantastic! It's it's great to talk to somebody that is living the dream, and it's a proper pinch yourself moment
1: every time you're out with the camera. I'm like, really, is this really happening? Is this really yeah. what I do for a living now. <laughs> I'm like, this is not a job. This is I'm just like out enjoying
0: the outdoors. It's, yeah, it's a very addictive thing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about. It why photography, and in particular, why landscape photography and nature photography. Oh,
1: I love the why questions. They really get me going. I think it's because I've always had a love of the outdoors. Whether I'm walking with with my parents at the weekend when I was a kid, or just exploring with my dog. And when I was at uni, I I went on a few trips abroad, and I I started doing architectural and street photography because that's what one of our assignments was. And I did a sunrise in Venice at blue hour, my first ever sunrise. And this must have been 2014 when I got my first camera. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm pretty sure it was in like aperture priority or something. And I was addicted. I I was like slowing down the shutter speed. And I was like, oh my God, I'm capturing this 10 minutes of light. That's like completely blue. Mm -hmm. And within half an hour, everyone was up and around. And I was like, that split like kind of that hour time period. I was on my own enjoying the outdoors. And I was like, this is awesome.
0: And then it was on and off
1: for about three years until 2017, when I graduated, got my first full-time job and I-, I treated myself to a camera and I was like, I'm in an office job now, nine to five, I need to get back out in nature. So I forced myself to do sunrises and sunsets between work hours and I just loved it. It was like this big de-stressing tool and yeah, it's just grown from there really. And I find like every time I'm out, if I get a picture, it's a bonus Which is a weird thing to say, because I'm obviously going out for a photo, but it's almost like I'm just enjoying the moment and then the photography is there to to share it with others, which I find really rewarding.
0: Yeah, great, great. I guess I'm interested in asking people around what their process is for their creativity. And are you a planner? Are you more spontaneous? Pre-visualise the scene that you want to share or are you just more okay i see that the light's happening i'm going to take that shot (laughs) love this yeah i am i'm a proper planner so like my work is very
1: much focused on the seasons so Mm -hmm. i'm always planning for the future season ahead and then i'm always thinking of different locations and i'm pre-visualizing the conditions so the more i've done it the more fussy i've got so the better the light has to be the better the mist the atmosphere the yep. composition for me to even take my camera out the bag and I find the chase really rewarding. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got some photos that are like a set from spring through to autumn, winter, and they've taken me about four or five years and it's going back that is really addictive. Yeah, I'm a proper planner and then they're all in here. I've got loads of photos that I'm yet to capture as we all do, right? Um, Absolutely. I've got to just wait for the right conditions. <laughs> but sometimes you know what it's like when you're out with a camera and you go out with a vision and then you end up photographing something completely different right because oh, the yeah, light's absolutely. doing something it's awesome isn't it you just get distracted by everything that's going and on sometimes
0: sometimes for me that's a deliberate choice other times it's just yeah. opportunism it's oh that I've yeah. got to take
1: that yeah and you, you never really know if you go out with a clear vision I find sometimes that's when I'm most creative yeah because I'm not restricted to a lens I'm just like oh, I'm going to take all the lenses. Because you know what it's like, the one lens you want is the one you leave at home. So your bag's heavy, but it means
0: you you can react to anything that's going on, can't you? Yeah, too right, too right. Do you think it's important to have goals in your photography, particularly now that it's more than just a hobby? Yeah, big time.
1: Yeah, I've I've always been a bit of a goal setter. I I, I think because I've always loved business and marketing. Now it's a, a full time kind of job. It's it's nice to have that balance of a bit of everything. I, I always set goals, visions, some of them probably completely unachievable, but they're there. And, and once they're written down, I find it easy to plan things. Whether it is a goal of a certain photo or to visit a certain place or to work with a certain like company or to travel in a certain season, I, I just have all these goals. But I, I think it's really important, um, especially for landscape photography, because it's quite easy to to get into a rut and i've been in a few of them where especially in summer and in, in, over here in the uk it's hard
0: that's, dawn is not a, oh.
1: not a easy shot oh man it's awful so
0: yeah.
1: oh it's hard. at the minute the heather's looking amazing so that's a distraction for me so i yeah. don't mind the three o'clock alarm but about two three four weeks ago when there wasn't much out there there's a bit of barley and wheat but the three o'clock alarm i was like I'm not feeling. That's not all right. That's not a morning. That's
0: nighttime.
1: That's it. Um, That's sleep time. Not. (laughs) Gosh, yeah. So, yeah, I struggled with summer. So my goal last year or the year before, sorry, was to get into wildlife photography. So it's something I've picked up now alongside landscapes because in the summer it's perfect. So that was a little goal that I'm working on at the moment and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, fantastic.
0: In terms of projects having those goals do you turn them into projects themselves as either portfolio pieces or sets of images that you want to collect so it might be let's say a a summer series of animals Is, Mm -hmm. is that something that you're putting together as part of your portfolio or is it more disjointed than that
1: No, I think you're right. There is individual like projects, whether it's I I do an annual calendar, something as small as as that, or in in the background, things like books or portfolio boxes. And I've done seasonal themed prints before. It might take me a year to capture a seasonal collection of say three or four prints. But for me, then if I can sell those as a limited set that kind of shows how much work went into it and tell a bit of a backstory, I see that as a little project sometimes. Um, But yeah, I I always like to convert goals into projects, whether it's something small or a bigger vision or something. But sometimes they're they're not the ones that I sit down and and plan. They just seem to pop up and happen. It's quite reactive, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Have you got anything particular on the boil at the moment? Yeah, I've got a continuous project at the moment based on the seasons. So it's a long-term thing. I've got a a small version. I've got an e-book version on the way. And then I've also got the big goal is to have a, a portfolio book or something that kind of embodies everything I believe in, my kind of passion, and I hopefully that people can pick up and they see it's me. It's it's not just a normal book. It's like, oh, this is Jack's book, or it's got something. And I don't know how to do it quite yet, but um,
0: it's one of those ongoing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I guess I'm interested in when things started to click for you in terms of it being art versus being recording because usually what happens is people go out with the camera and with an intent to take images but usually mm-hmm. it's just recording what they're doing or recordings a scene that they've seen and yep. quite often at that early stage it's not about making art when did turning it into art happen for you and what was the thinking and process behind that Oh, That's a really good question.
1: I think because of my background in architecture that I've always had a a vision when it comes to anything really whether it is a building or, or a piece of art or something. So I'm always inspired by anything really and I always try to look past something and look into it a little bit into more detail and see oh what was the artist or creator thinking when they did this. So I feel like when it comes to my work I'm then always looking to capture something a little bit different and I guess it is what we do is art. Right. So whether it's a certain light coming through the woodland or whether it's a certain wave that makes you feel like you're going to get wet from just looking at the picture, it's capturing that as best as I can. And the technical side of things I'm not too worried about. I get it a lot in like camera club talks and things about, oh, it's got to be like rule of thirds or why is your horizon not on the top? Why is it in the middle? And I'm like, I'm not even I'm not even thinking about those things. At the first stage of the photograph, I'm thinking more about how can I capture this scene as best as I can. And then the back of my head, I'm thinking of those. It's a really good question. I think the art always comes first, even though I'm a massive tech head. I love gear. I, I love computers, all that type of thing. But the art definitely comes first. So that's yeah, really good question. And I think it, for me, it doesn't become real until I print it because I'm a massive believer in printing. So. Even before I share my work on social media, I'll make sure that I print the image, have it out or have it on my wall. And at least I can look at it for a few hours before I even
0: share it. And I'm trying to get better at that. In terms of uh, your engagement in in social media, are you trying to work to a consistent schedule there or are you just putting stuff out as it's finished because it's got to be a certain quality before you you'll, you'll yeah. even put it near your phone yeah yeah it's got to be it's got to be one of those special things i'm one of those that's i'm
1: happy if i get one really good picture a month that's that's a portfolio piece but i'll still share everything because i think it's really important for people to see your okay photos or mm. the photos that you went out and it's not quite like the best image ever but you captured something and yeah for, for me the social media kind of thing is i guess that's where kind of i like i've got to is, is through social media right because instagram facebook is where we all grow or it's where i grew especially and when people comment from all over the world and they say oh jack you've made my day or that was a place i visited with my late father or all yeah. that type of thing i'm like i'm doing more than just taking photos for me i'm actually capturing pictures for people that might not be able to get to these places or see them at five in the morning that's right yeah and I love that because, yeah, I absolutely love that. Social media is really powerful for being able to bring people along with me. So I'll post as and when I love live videos. So I'm one of those where if you follow me, you'll get a notification every other day saying Jack Lodge is live. So sorry for the spam, but (laughs) I like to take people like like a POV of me there. Yeah, like filming right. with the camera. Here's what I'm doing. These are the settings I'm using. Try and make people feel a little bit
0: connected to the photograph at the end. Yeah, fantastic. In terms of that personal expression, what role do you see that playing in your work and how do you infuse your own style and vision into your images? Everyone talks about trying to find something that's unique. I'm interested mm-hmm. in kind of how they think about that is it the composition is it the coloring is it the length of exposure yeah. there's lots of different ways that you can infuse your work with your own feel and what's your method oh well it varies a lot so i'm one of those
1: that when i get asked about presets i cringe because i'm like, like so. oh. you said
0: i i don't get it i, I have <laughs> I one mean... preset that i use and that yeah that zeroes everything except clarity and something or other else and the uh camera and lens settings that's it perfect yeah yeah because I
1: I just don't get it because every photo is completely different so if you're getting a a rough idea of what you can do with it that's fine but for me I already know when I'm taking that when I'm pressing that button I know how I'm going to edit the photo Mm -hmm. because I've pre-visualized the whole thing so that's how I do that step I'm pre-thinking oh I'm going to Do this, I'm going to drop the clarity. I'm going to make this feel really warm or really cool or I'm going to add more of these colours or desaturate these colours. And I'd say my style as such is probably quite punchy. I really do love pastel colours, something that pops off the screen. And I think that's solely because I'm thinking of the print at the end. If I think I want someone to see an image, because as the hardest thing we do is we're seeing this amazing 3D Vista, but we're capturing a 2D image Mm -hmm. on a tiny little sensor. And if we print that. And it still feels flat, then I don't think we've done our job as photographers because we need it to feel like it's coming off the paper. And whether yeah. that is light, you, got, you gotta feel
0: like you can fall into it.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, perfect way to describe yeah. it, way better than I could. Yeah, so it's, you feel like you can fall into the image, right? And to me, that's a really good photo. So if I can make someone look at it and feel like they're there, yeah. and if they look at a warm sunrise and they get warm, they get the goosebumps, that, oh, I can. I feel that or they look at a snowy scene and they get cold. I'm like, I've done my job as a photographer or yeah. artist to to get that feeling across.
0: Yeah, fantastic. In terms of being out in the field, you talked about you've started to pre-visualize everything. How do you actually feel while you're shooting? What's going through your mind? What are, What are you experiencing, I guess? Are you thinking hard or are you getting into that flow state and just relaxing yeah. and letting things happen
1: I'm so glad you said flow state because that's one thing I use a lot of the time on my workshops because at the end people will be like Jack I've not even looked at my phone I've not even thought about work stress and exactly. I'm like good because that's why I go out that's I get into right. this flow state where you're enjoying everything so much you're not thinking about a single thing and that's where I get to. I'm a, a lot of the time, not even thinking about the camera settings. I, it's like it's cheesy, isn't it? But it's almost an extension of your hand. It's like you're yeah. using it as a tool to capture what's in here. Mm-hmm. You're not worried, oh, how sharp is it going to be, or it, all those little things. It just comes naturally when I'm taking a photo. So I've over the time really slowed down. So I'm using like a geared head. I'm really particular with what I'm framing, and that's solely because in the moment I'm thinking all about that image, and I'm looking around the border of the frame. I'm thinking oh if i move 10 centimeters up that completely changes the feel of the image or 10 centimeters Absolutely. to the left yep. and i love that process it's like a chase it's really addictive so when i'm out with the camera that's all i'm thinking about is how i can best capture a scene and sometimes i fail like we all do like sometimes i'll think i've done it there and i'll get home back to the big screen i'll be like oh jack you should have done this and maybe that's because i was too in the moment yeah and i needed yeah. to take a step back and slow down a little bit because it yeah. always
0: happens right
1: <laughs> uh, it almost happens done.
0: when you're in a rush yeah I'm constantly bringing home stuff from a, a a shoot where I've turned up 10 minutes too late and yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a yeah. rush
0: to get down to to where I want to shoot and I'm yeah. thinking about getting the tripod set up and the, everything else except actually taking a really good photo yeah. when I should have got yeah. up earlier should have done a few other man it's a, a, so a easily done and, and, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. the biggest
1: thing i get on social media is people say oh jack i was up for sunrise this morning and it looked nothing like what you captured yeah and uh, i was like i, I say to them what, what time did you get up and they're like i got up like a minute before sunrise i was like yeah. you missed the sunrise yeah, the color missed, happened missed, 20 now. 30 minutes ago yeah, <laughs> yeah i was like you were way too late like i was up two hours ago getting there uh, so yeah, yeah you've really got to put in the, the time haven't you and absolutely. that's the thing and, and also people the people
0: I, I love shooting sunsets as well because you have the the crowd yeah. turn up for the moment the sun disappears. Yeah, they, yeah. They all, they all disappear and I've got clear shooting. you're staying, right? Then. Yeah. So, <laughs> for the good bit. <laughs> yeah, and then you get the good bit. You get the aftergo. You get blue hour.
1: You get all of the, the good that's stuff right. at the end. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why people love photography because they see those photos and they're like, how on earth did they get that? And it's because like, you weren't there. You didn't see it. It's that's something it. you're not You've used to You've got to be there it. at
0: the right right time. You yeah. have
1: yeah yeah yeah. you have
0: yeah (laughs) love that love that how do you see your style developing over time obviously you start out with particular ideas and particular ways of processing particular ways of shooting how do you see your style as has developed and where do you see it going into the future oh yeah so i'd probably say i've got a lot
1: of a more kind of a lot of them more that doesn't make any sense but at the moment I'm more into like pastel colors uh almost like a painting feel uh, and a very soft image so Mm -hmm. I really I'm not one of those that like brings the clarity or texture sliders up too much if anything I'm I'm going the other way Uh, um I want someone to feel like they're really it's easy on the eyes I'd probably say back if I look through some of my old photos they're probably super contrasty saturated, quite heavy is probably the best way to describe them. And I'd say my images have got a lot lighter over time. Yep. Um I've often been told my images are sometimes overexposed and and that's fine because it's all personal preference. I love that. That's that's what photography is all about. For for me that that's a kind of something I've done on purpose because maybe the background wasn't that interesting of that avenue of trees. So I've on purposely overexposed it to give it a, a foggy, mysterious feel. Uh, mm and it's a i guess it's a technical decision to get a little bit creative so i think my style is always changing i hope it's recognisable that's my goal i'd love my work to be like someone's what you doing with the typical swiping and someone's oh that's i know that's a jack image like i'd love that i don't know if i'm there just yet but i'd love to get there at some point where it's consistent but each image is different so it's a continuous battle how about yourself do you find do you have a
0: select style or do you do you change per image I I tend to work on the circumstance that I'm in, particularly, say, travel shooting for me, which I love to do, but you're not always guaranteed to be able to get there at a certain time of the day. So you might never be in a place again, and you might not be there at blue hour or golden hour. You've got to make the most of it. Yeah, my way of thinking there is to... Okay, let's slow down time and do some ultra long exposure. Put on Amazing. 16 stops or 13 stops or 10. Love that. And get as long as there's a bit of cloud, you're good. Or if there's water movement or some other kind of movement. I did one recently in the Netherlands, the Schans, which is windmills and yeah so it was a rainy it was really a bog awful day that we were there (laughs) (laughs) typical right yeah yeah it was rainy it was windy (laughs) which was good because the windmills were actually turning yeah and all the uh, cloud and everything yeah yeah, and there there was a bit of cloud and of course there was uh wind ripples on the water and whatever so what i did was i just slowed it down put 13 stops on and did some 10 stops and did some 13 stops and also did some shots at a higher shutter speed so that you still have nice. some detail in the sails so the sails yes. at, at, at 10 they were starting to blur really a lot and and, it, and to be yeah. honest a little bit too much to see them properly but looking at the back of the camera I thought okay what I'll do is I'll do some faster shots so that some of the structure is still there and then blend them together so that you can actually get that feeling of the movement of the sails, the wind and, and rain and everything. And as you said, hopefully make people feel like they were there.
1: I, lo- so that, I love that because that's a, like freezing a moment in time and makes it feel like it lasts longer.
0: And that's a thing that I love that. Oh, amazing. But then if I'm going to a, a local beach I've got a definite way that I'm gonna shoot that and you're thinking and, about it while you're there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So for for me it, it's a little bit more circumstantial, but so I yeah. I I tend to change my style a little bit depending on I love long exposure. I love ultra long exposure. I do seven, ten minute exposures in blue hour or wow. at nautical twilight and that sort of thing. Wow. Where you just getting complete flat water, but Oof. So So good. In in that really dark period where there's just dim light on the horizon, but when you're you know traveling over that seven to ten minutes, you're really capturing some interesting effects. That's so true. Yeah, I had it
1: recently at Kilchurn Castle in Scotland, mm -hmm. and we got there two hours before sunrise. Yep. And I was taking pictures, like they were like two minutes long, and there was pink stuff, there's pink, like light in the clouds on the horizon. And I was looking at the back of the screen and I was like, it looks nothing like I'm seeing now because it's pitch black. That's right. This is awesome. Like, it looks unreal. And then I shared this set of three. I had that, which was like, I called it like pre sunrise or twilight. And then I had a a pre sunrise where we had a lovely glow. Mm. And then I had an actual sunrise. And I was like, there's a whole series of images here because if you're there long enough, you can capture the whole story,
0: can't you? Exactly. Exactly. Very addictive. That's one of the things that I love doing is getting that. Yeah. getting there nice and early not trying to rush yeah and just yeah and for me because they're the first images of the day mm. those seven to ten minute things they yeah. really make you slow down because once that shutter's yeah. open there's nothing to do for seven minutes yeah that's it yeah you've got hope your your horizon's straight that you've got your composition right that's because it. that's it you're done yeah <laughs> you also can't really see anything
1: either so <laughs> no yeah it's pitch black you've got your, your head torch on your red light and everything yeah it's a, a good time of day. I think I yeah. I love it. Absolutely.
0: What is success in photography for you?
1: Oh, I see success as capturing an image that means something to you and solely having that intention of not worrying about what others think and capturing a special something. So for me, it was when I captured the last image of my seasonal uh collection um a, a winter version of the same scene I captured in spring summer autumn to me that was like a, a I guess a local success it was for me that was a project that I feel like I've I've not completed but I've got to a point where I'm really happy and I'm quite proud of it success is a hard one though because I, I also everyone does you like it when like if someone says they really like an image like that means a lot to me especially if someone buys a print so every time I sell a print and I'm like oh wow you're actually going to put that on a wall in your house like yeah to me that's like that blows my mind because I'm like that's a big decision for someone to do they Absolutely. might have pictures yeah. of their children or grandchildren on the walls mm. but you're gonna have one of mine on your wall I'm like sometimes I don't it doesn't compute in my head but <laughs> I guess that's a version of feeling like a sense of achievement like you feel yeah, yeah. quite proud when someone want something physical
0: yeah yeah so what about failure and setbacks how do you deal with those and how do you learn from them you yeah you mentioned uh, it, it early you you can get in there and you yeah. don't nail things how do you recover from that and how do you learn from it oh I think always having the end goal and that's
1: where it goes back to setting the goals is really important because if you have a setback or if you go out for three mornings in a row and don't get anything as long as you're thinking about that final photo and that one day you'll get it, I don't really get, what's the word, demotivated. I'm always motivated to, to get it. The The yeah. only time I feel set back or something is like when it's tough conditions, like if it's clear blue skies and it's like summer months and they're really long days. But then what I've started doing over the last few years, and especially since I've been full time, is working to the conditions. So if it's clear skies, I'll have a certain project in mind maybe I do some long exposures maybe I focus on light so I'm not even facing the sun for eight hours of the day I'm focusing on light on the rolling hills or something so having little projects little motivational goals helps you a little bit to get past those but I've never had like a photography rut for six months where I've not been out like I've not had that yet it's more like feeling demotivated with weather or something but
0: yeah, yeah. As, as long as or, you make a the most a. of it a like,
1: or a 3am start they are tough honestly the, the heather at the moment is looking stunning and it looks good at sunrise and sunset but sunrise you get the chance of mist and it's like, yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a go but for me especially when i'm with clients i'm like we've got to get there at least an hour and a half before mm. and that means getting in the spot for an hour and a half that doesn't mean getting in the car park when it's a half no. an hour walk yeah,
0: so yeah then it's okay so
1: that's an hour and a half before half an hour to set up feel comfortable and an hour before the main event as such so it means getting to the car park half an hour before that getting yep. up half an hour before that so like your 4:30 sunrise turns into a two o'clock start and it's like, yeah. that is tough so i can't do too many of those i could probably do three or four in a row but doing like a full week of that would absolutely destroy me <laughs> it's so
0: tough <laughs> yeah definitely definitely one of the things i'm really interested in is how you look at creating a unique image but balancing that with staying true to what you're actually seeing and the, the nature because i talked about yeah. the that some of the ultra long exposures and whatever people are never going to see that but yeah. it's something it, it's an effect that you can create with the tool um, yeah yeah and i guess for me it's definitely a balancing act the, the, to be honest the more popular image is always going to be the one that people can relate to more so yeah if, if you're yeah, creating yeah, yeah. something that looks a bit like an alien landscape they might go wow that's amazing but they're not necessarily going to buy it to put it on their wall for example
1: yeah you know? i said there's a really that's a really good point there's a complete difference like my most popular prints are not my most favourite photographs, but no, they're no. location. Yeah, but they're locations that mean something to that person or those people. So, yeah, it's, you've got to have like a a good balance of it, I think. But yeah, it's a difficult one, really. But I, I think having a balance of your visions, a balance of your locations, like where I live in Dorset, there is there's honeypot locations that we call them everywhere. You've got Corf Castle, Dirtle Door, Old Harry Rocks even some of the woodlands now there's a place by me called more critical that's like my go-to spot and people were photographing it way before me and it's one of those that's just like it will always be so photogenic i'm not one of those that are like get bored of shooting the same location five times in a year because it's always different so i'm one of those that just gets enthusiastic about everything and p- people that follow me will know i get super excited about all sorts of things um so when I'm doing live videos, my voice will go squeaky. I'll just be in the moment. like I'm like a child. Uh, but I, I just love it. And I think being able to uh, capture something unique is always really fun and challenging. But it doesn't have to be a unique composition. It could be unique weather. Yeah. So whether it's that sidelight with a dark, moody sky behind something iconic like Corfe Castle, to me, that's still a really unique image. It doesn't matter that the subjects photograph thousands of times. It's that two seconds... You might be the only one there on the hill, and you've got that photo, and no one's going to take it again, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: I love that it is i don't I don't get too worried about those cliche shots and especially if I go to somewhere new, so like I was recently up in the Peak district with my friend Nigel, and he took me to some of his amazing locations with heather, and there was loads of photographers like eight ten people at sunrise. Yeah, It just didn't bother me. I was like, this is awesome. Like, we're all here for the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. we love photography. So I'm like, you feel really lucky to be there with people that appreciate it as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it was a popular spot, but I was like, I've never been here before. We've got an hour till sunrise. I'm just going to go full open mind. I've not seen any pictures of what it looks like. Let's just try. And for the first time, see what it does. And um, I like that sometimes, just putting yourself somewhere new And seeing what you can get from it is a really good challenge. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think people that say, oh, you you shouldn't necessarily shoot some of the honeypot locations and whatever wrong because it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. What what you can, it's not about necessarily what you're shooting, it's about what you do with it, where you point the camera. And then, as you said, you can change it simply by there's D- so much you can do to one on photo. Tripod or changing the angle that you're standing at yeah make your own yeah we see
1: it all the time on, on workshops yeah. that I only do very small workshops so I have three three people with me so it's a really small group but I like it because everyone gets like a one-to-one oh. mm. and we might all be standing in a row but when I go around to everyone we've all got completely different photos whether it's focal length whether it's the positioning the the composition they might be photographing a little bit of light that I didn't even see because they yeah. they're, they're yeah. looking at something and I love that I find the biggest challenge and, and we do it on the workshops we get everyone in a row and I say put whatever lens you want on whatever your eye goes to first focus on it and make a photo of it yeah and every time each person's is completely different yeah there's not one that's the same and I find that so
0: fascinating because you are stood like a meter apart it's like yeah yeah I've, it's I've, so powerful I've it's saying exactly the same thing not necessarily organized you're all facing the same way you're all yeah. pointing the camera ostensibly at the same yeah subject and
1: that's just the technical side of things right that yeah, doesn't absolutely. even include when you get back to lightroom or capture one you start processing that's and it. someone does one style and then another style so there's so many variables it's i love it i i yeah landscape photography just photography is awesome isn't it god I could talk about it forever I love it
0: (laughs) let's change topic slightly and talk about the lifestyle choice full-time photography how did you make that choice what was it that drove the decisions and I guess what made you actually take that step of giving up full-time work and moving into photography yeah so um, it's always been a thing that's Played on my mind. When I was in full time
1: work, I my holidays weren't holidays; they were photography days. Every season, especially bluebell season, I'd go to my boss and say, "Look, boss, I want two weeks off to to go photograph the bluebells." And he'd be like, "You're going to do what?" Like most people, bank their holiday to to go to I don't know Greece or something, and I'm yeah. going to go spend two weeks in a woodland at five in the morning. So that was when I started to realize that if I'm willing to take my holidays and do it for photography, it's am I in the wrong career I, I didn't know but because I love architecture but mm. photography was my like you said your flow state and I was like reading so many motivational books and audiobooks at the time and everyone was saying if you can do your flow state for as long as possible and if you can make it your job you're gonna have a much happier life and uh, mm. it, it got to a point where we had quite a stressful few years m- myself and my fiance we had a few people that passed away and it was a bit of a reality check and it was that that pre-COVID time and during COVID. And it was a big reality check. And we had that thought and I was like, I'm not happy in my job. Like I, I, I come home and I'm exhausted and I just want to go to bed. I'm like, that's not right. I'm mentally drained. And when I'm out with a camera, I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. So I realized very quickly, like my my mental state was not good, and it was at that point that I was really, I'm really lucky that Rihanna, my fiance, is so supportive, and she kept pushing me, and I, loads of my friends were, were pushing me as well, saying, "Look, Jack, you you enjoy this so much, push yourself a little bit." And we all have imposter syndrome, right? It's the biggest Absolutely. thing. Yeah. I have it so bad, and it, I, I think I, it's I a just useful get past tool it.
0: sometimes, though.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a struggle, right? But sometimes it does make you think, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. To be honest, the, for me, the tension between I'm not good enough versus, gee, I'm actually not bad at this. Yeah. This, I rarely will say. I'm certainly never going to say I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like I'm learning every single time I'm out with Absolutely. the camera. But
1: that's my impression. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, to me, that tension between the the negative thoughts that your your brain is saying oh the, you, you, your work's not good enough nobody's interested etc etc versus yeah, yeah. you know some of the feedback that you actually get uh, yeah. and one of one of the things that has really worked for me is sitting there and saying okay i know that if i'm consistent enough and that if i'm going to do this as a living then yeah I've got to actually have confidence in myself, enough confidence in myself that I can do it. And yeah. but I use that negativity to say, okay, if I'm not happy with something, why? What is it that I'm not happy with? And is it something technical that I'm doing wrong? Is it the edit that I just did or whatever? Yeah. For me, it's really around using that to actually learn and grow, rather than drag you back and say, "All right." Well, That's know, so hurry. good. Going to give it all up? Yeah, that's such a good way of looking. I've never thought of it that way. That's really
1: good because you can use it to motivate you, can't you? So? Absolutely, yeah. But so yeah.
0: I, I think that tension is important between the two, between the oh yeah. my god I'm brilliant and oh my god I'm yeah, a-
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so true because you don't want to be one or the other. So it's you've got to stay humble and just enjoy doing what you're doing and, and be you, right? Yeah, it's so important. So yeah, that all happened, and I very quickly realised if it, how could I was selling calendars at the time and prints. And I had loads of people ask me for one-to-one tuition and yep. uh, Jack, can I join you on all these amazing places you go to? And I kept putting it off for two or three years because I was always scared of coming across with someone that knows way more than me. And I'm like, oh my God, you're paying me more than me. That's such a fear to me. And it's I very quickly realised, I was like, oh, they're coming out because they want to spend time with you. Like they they want to see what you do as a photographer. So yeah. like I'll take my camera set up when I'm on tuition and workshops because... They wanna see how I work and I'll make sure they're getting the photos first, but I'll take a photo. And if I find a composition that I really like, first thing is come on over here. I'll talk you through how I found this. I'll move my camera out of the way, we'll get you set up. So they feel like they're there with me on a shoot. And I started by launching like two or three workshops and me and my fiance sat down and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna sell one space. This is gonna be terrible. And uh, I was so nervous. And, th- and then within 30 minutes, they all sold out. And I was like, what? Is going on what is this and then I we were talking and I I agreed with my work to go down to three days a week this was about a year and a half ago and then I could do two not two days because it's it'd be four days a week photography three days full-time and and then yeah my fiance just said Jack you're a month away from going part-time why don't you just quit and for me that was quite a push I was like one of my friends had started a business at the time one of my best friends and I saw how Better he was mentally and he was really enjoying himself. He was getting more family time and he was just really happy with himself. And I was like, okay, that's really inspiring. So I, I, I launched loads of workshops and arranged loads of talks, tuition. I've been really lucky with brands that supported me since the very start. So I messaged them. I was like, look, I'm looking to go full time. We started planning like loads of work together. And yeah, then I quit August last year. So it's literally been a year and twelve days since I've been full time. And it's honestly been the, the best thing I've ever done for my, my mental health, my my career, my learning. And yeah, everything. So it's difficult. It is really like that's the biggest question I get is how do you make money as a photographer? That's the biggest thing. So I, I have like a like a big net of different types of income. So I don't limit myself to just workshops or something. There's about 12 different revenue streams that i focus on and i find that's really important so if one of them gets quiet i'll go 110 percent into six others and it, mm. it's a balance it's it's tough but as you, you you have to balance things out and focus on different things at
0: certain times absolutely and as you say when uh one revenue stream sort of starts to dry up you need to focus on some of the others
1: yeah yeah it's just a it, it,
0: that's you've got to treat it as like a business and i, I that's where I'm a bit weird because
1: I love business and I love marketing. And so I think that's where I'm quite fortunate for me when it comes to the photography, because I don't mind doing those things. If I have to spend a week at a computer planning, forecasting, doing admin, I'm in my element. So I'm still doing my favorite thing. And I can still go out for a sunset for an hour on my own or go with a client for four hours. I I don't see it as a chore uh, yet. I'll say that yet because it's only been a a year and a half full time. It's probably been about five years part time. But a lot of people don't actually realise that they they, they realise I was full time at the time, but I get loads of messages after I went full time, where people are like, Jack, I thought you were doing this full time anyway, because I was out three or four times while working. And um, I very quickly had a lot of conversations. I was like, oh, no, I was working like 40, 42 hours a week and doing this this on the side. yeah. Yeah. So for the last four or five years, you're actually doing two or three jobs right and a lot yeah. of people don't realize that it's not like a switch that just goes you don't go oh do you know what i'm gonna do this full-time and then that
0: nah. you just start you've got to build up to it like big time yeah, you've got to you've got to do it in a considered way yeah yeah yeah, big and time. I, yeah I, and... I think you what you touched on loving the business side need needs to be it, it, it's for me, it's it, it's a critical part of running it as a business is if you don't yeah. love that side of it then you're not necessarily yeah. going to do it successfully because no. those those things are the ones that you're going to put off, but they may actually be the very important things that you need. Yeah, exactly. As a business. Yeah,
1: because loads of people said to me that, oh, are you like after about six or seven months, they're like, oh, are you not going out as much for yourself. Are you, how are you finding it now that it's a job? It's not like a hobby. I was like, I've not noticed a single difference. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still going out, <clears throat> but I get to share it with other people. and." yeah that's more special than me going out on my own so I I see it really differently so for me I'm like if I can I I had a client come over from Australia for instance Sue she came over last September and she was over for a month and and we did a few one-to-ones together and it was just awesome taking her to all these places she grew up but from a different perspective from a photographer's eye and she managed to get all these amazing pictures and I was like that is more important to me than me going out on my own and getting a really good sunrise i I want i want to share it with other people so yeah it's really it's inspiring
0: i love it fantastic what do you think is the most important thing in terms of the marketing side of things and marketing your personal brand because you are the business and your images are the business what's the most important thing that you could pass on to somebody and say If you're going to do anything, do this in marketing yourself. Yeah. I
1: think be you. Don't have a persona. Like, just be yourself. And if you're doing it for all the right reasons, you'll make something of it. I think if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you'll very quickly realize that you're either money-orientated or follower-orientated or something. Or you're chasing likes and things. Like, get that all out of your head. Find what you love. And it's the same for anything. It doesn't have to be photography. No what do you do where eight hours pass and you haven't thought about anything else that's where you should channel your time and if it's photography amazing like just be yourself and especially on social media it's so tricky to stand out especially now like four or five years ago was a little bit easier but now it's really hard because there is some incredible photographers (laughs) online that are still doing it as a hobby. And I'm like, you're like 10 times better than me. Yeah. But but they, they they might not enjoy the business side of things and they don't know how to market themselves. And it's you don't have to be the best photographer. You have to be a good photographer, a good marketer, a good business leader, uh, everything in one. It's a tricky thing to, to do for, for a job. But mm. I think as long as you're online and you're sharing your photos for you, you're not keeping up with trends and things. That's probably my best advice. Yeah, it's a tricky one though, because you wanna be seen. Absolutely,
0: yeah.
1: Whether you are you have a specific style or a specific kind of theme, maybe it is woodlands, maybe it's seascapes, maybe it's long exposures, mm. black and white. If, if you have a niche, then I think that's a really good thing. I think I don't really have a niche, but if I did, it'd probably be the seasons, be like the, mm. that's all I'm thinking about every month. I'm not, I won't go to a certain location if it doesn't work for that season, I'll think about going back in another time of year. Or So maybe that's my little thing I'm working on. I, I don't know too much, but yeah, have those visions and goals and
0: just be yourself, really. Yeah, wonderful. One of the things that a lot of people struggle with is maintaining their creative vision and artistic integrity, but mm-hmm. also catering to commercial or client demands it's a little bit easier in landscape photography because if you've got your style and people like your style then some mm-hmm. of that but i i guess for for me certainly one of the revenue streams is commercial photography whether it's real estate or something else and yeah gotta admit i'm less excited about that style of photography than i am landscape yeah, yeah 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 how do you keep that balance and how do you keep your artistic integrity whilst dealing with your, your commercial demands
1: like your bread and butter stuff kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's a tricky I'm quite fortunate where like the landscape photography thing on my side is my main thing but yeah I yeah. still dabble with so like architectural photography is like what I was doing a lot of the time for my practice and other practices at the time yeah. of transitioning so mm-hmm. that would allow me to do things that would buy gear and, and do that that was like a little bit of bread and butter on the side whereas now that's like really tapered off just because I have to value my time in a different way so i can pick and choose what i want to get up to but yeah so i think as long as as long as you're still doing what you enjoy but if you have to do a day a week where it's something you don't enjoy as much but it allows you to do the other thing just do it you just get into a state right if you have to go photograph this thing but the other six days of the week you get to live your dream i'll do that thing like snap of a finger yeah
0: of course i would it's that kind of thing isn't it it, it's funny corporate event photography is is one of the one of the things that i've done a a little bit of and for me yeah i actually approach that in very much the same way as i am with my landscape photography in terms of i want nice. to get a balanced composition and i want to get the lighting so moving around it's the room. transferable skills isn't it yeah absolutely yeah and yeah. that that for me is one of the things that i've learned out of this is that yeah okay yeah. It, it it's not where my heart is it's not where my passion is but there's money in it yeah if it can pay for you to do your passion like no
1: greater right it, you've still got a camera it, in your hand <laughs> and i think like you say transferable skills is so important like i found that with with wildlife photography now like now i'm Uh, yeah it's different lenses and things and different apertures and different shutter speeds to what I'm used to but the processing side of things all my processing skills I'm putting into this absolutely and I feel like I'm getting an image that is a Jack Lodge image but it's of a fox or it's of a bar now yeah and like that's that's really important is having those transferable skills and it's the same with architectural photography like I'll approach a a building whether it's a luxury home or anything completely different so like a a real estate photographer or and anyone that's going in wide angle in the corner of the room yeah. the, the general joe shots i'll be there and i'll be like focusing on an angle or a bit of concrete that the architect designed to be joining perfectly with a bit of timber and there's a lovely like five mil gap that will get me excited yeah. and i'll photograph that and then the architect will see the image i'll be like jack that took me three months to design that and you wouldn't have even seen it in a normal photograph, so thanks so much for capturing it yeah, and it's thanks, thanks for the <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for actually showing how hard that is all that that <laughs> yeah that shadow gap or something yeah and it's just having an eye for something a little bit different and i think i I wouldn't have that unless I trained to become an i I never finished my degree so I, I couldn't be called an architect, but I did my uh b a honors and I think if i was as I was training that's helped me with that side of photography, so yeah. Yeah. I see the building from the architect's perspective not okay how do i sell this room to a client so transferable skills is so important across everything i think
0: yeah wonderful one of the things everybody struggles with in doing either commercial photography or or particularly in landscape photography and selling landscape photography Mm -hmm. is pricing your work now i'm not asking you for, for actual numbers here what is there a formula that you've used to set your pricing or just looking at what everyone else does and following that how, how do yeah, you yeah. price your work yeah what
1: well, so, so like from prints to workshops the whole kind yeah. of thing i think a lot of the time is is market research so the same with any business like i i call them like competitors but they're not like yeah. in photography like we're all really close like friends so like just see what everyone else is doing and I'll, I'll make a big brainstorm and I'll see what someone's offering and maybe they charge x for six people so I'll be like okay if I'm doing the similar service but for three people so they get more time maybe I can charge x plus 20% 30% so yeah uh, you you're working out how can you stand out from everyone else because there's no point seeing other business models and being like, I'm going to copy that one because that works or they're always out, I'm going to copy that because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So mm. I like to to map out what I'm doing, where I value my time, and, and, and then see what the rate is that everyone charges and think, okay, how much do I value my time? Like, how much am I going to charge? Or h- how am I experienced compared to that person? Or it's good to have that comparison thing. But other than that, it's more yeah, it's a difficult one, really. Prints is hard because print sales is really difficult to get someone to realise, like, they're not paying for a £10 print, they're paying for a £250 print. Yeah. And they forget that it costs 20 of It's £25 worth of paper and ink.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's six months to get that and, photo. And like, way more if you wrap a frame around it? You know? Yeah, just, exactly.
1: Oh, oh. Yeah, that's a whole other story with, yeah, museum glass and everything. It's, they'll be paying the same for the print as they would the, the frame, right? Um, yeah. Exactly. You're either selling your 10 grand prints to a certain client or you're selling 100 pound prints to another client. It's completely different. Yeah. So it's difficult. It's really difficult. But I I think having an awareness of what's going on is really important. You can't, you can't. I I uh, think
0: another thing that's really important and it's been mentioned a couple of times by other people on the podcast is knowing your customer and knowing who you're actually selling too and obviously somebody that's running a, a a large corporate if you're doing something for a a corporate foyer or something like that or or yeah. a block of flats or something then the pricing there is going to be way different to a bloke that's joe blogs that comes along and says oh, i yeah. love your print i want to i want a medium-sized one on the wall and yeah his budget's definitely going to be different to the yeah. corporate
1: yeah, it is no. You got to know that, right? Because absolutely, you don't want you don't want to screw yourself over. You no way. <laughs> like it's so difficult. So I I find that where, where I am, like everyone's really helpful and open. So when I was going full time, like loads of other full time professionals, I'd, I'd ask questions to, and we just have conversations like this, and it's really insightful because then you'll be like, oh, you, you got paid X to do this by this brand. They're offering me this. Yeah. Are they being sneaky, or they do they value me less? And then you might go back with a different offer, and they'll accept it. And you're like, "Oh, you were just trying to be sneaky." Yeah. Like you, you they, don't know. Like it's business, business, right? They're trying to get it for the least exactly
0: possible price.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's how business works. So yeah. you can't be angry with it. You have got to be like,
0: "No." Oh, fair enough. Like you got to be. i, I do patient. the same. Yeah. Yeah, you've no, got, it's, it's just a different, how different case if if you go back to them with the higher price and they go no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's different because then you're like oh okay maybe i'm not that good like maybe you get a little bit of a, a stab in the chest kind of thing but yeah, yeah. But nine times out of ten i'll say yes and happy days
1: exactly yeah but it is difficult the the, the ones i struggle with the most are like you're saying with the commercial stuff if someone comes to me and says i had it recently where they're, they're building a new shop front in the town center and they're like we want your image two by two meters we're putting an atm in, in the wall and your image is going to be around it give us a quote and i was like I have no idea. They were printing it. Like, they just yeah. wanted the image license. And I didn't even know where to start. I was like, is it £100? Is it £5,000? I have no idea.
0: For two, so two took, meter
1: by two meter, I'd be asking maybe 10, 15 can. Yeah, like exactly. And it, it ended up being a really well paying thing. And it was like, yeah. if I didn't think about it too much, I could have really damaged myself. <laughs> and it's that's where I'm really thankful for having a good network of people around me. Because yeah. one person would say, Jack, you need to be charging 10 grand, five grand, whatever. Yeah. And another one would be like, yeah, I, I'd be similar. Or they, they bring you down to earth a little bit. So you've got to be aware of your surroundings in business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all about how you manage your time. What is your goals? So I always set myself goals for five years. The minute I had a one-year goal, I've got a two-year goal, five-year and a 10-year. And yeah. if I want to get to that 10-year goal, what do I have to earn a day to get to that goal? Or what do I have to earn a month to get to that goal? And then almost working like backwards. Cause we've all got like 30, 31 days in a month, right? Yep. So we all have the same time. And it's how do you value that time? How you and, value and, it and how you spend that
0: time. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And I always joke with my friends. It's like that they, they say, Oh, Jack, you quit an eight hour a day job to do a sixteen hour a day job. And I was like, Yeah but I'm so much happier. <laughs> I don't I don't care if I work till midnight on an article, it, but it, it's a lifestyle. I'm talking about photography. It's a lifestyle. Love that. that is exactly Yeah, I left a job to double my hours, but live a lifestyle, right? That's, that's, that's what right. it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh dear. Let, let's talk a little bit about you know, where you live and you mentioned obviously there's a lot of honeypot locations there around Dorset is there one particular spot that you just keep going back to and it doesn't even have to be in Dorset it could be elsewhere yeah it's, it's oh there's loads honestly draws you there's back. loads yeah there's so, so I, I live in a place called Wimborne which is a
1: yep. lovely like market town and we're probably I'd say half an hour to somewhere like Durdle Door half an hour to somewhere like Salisbury Cathedral and half an hour to the new forest and h- half an hour to somewhere like Portland. So my net is ridiculous in terms of locations I can get to really quickly. Yeah. And that was so important. I, and I think quite lucky because I've always lived here. So I never really realized it until I started doing photography. I was like, Oh, it's only half an hour drive. That's all right. So for me, I have, there's a place called Moor Critchell that I'm obsessed with. It's an avenue of lovely young beech trees that are perfectly straight and for me in the seasons it's like in autumn it's golden red it's like dark orange red in fresh spring greens it's like luscious like yellow green and in the winter like if I'm really lucky we've got snow there once and I managed to get a photograph of it that took years to get but I was ready and that's a go-to um likely Corf Castle I've probably been to calf Castle I think yeah Nigel Danson asked me once how many times I've been to, North- to Corf Castle and uh is for one of his videos and I ended up actually going on Lightroom and checking and I think it was something like 35 times and I was like that's a lot of times in six years yeah. <laughs> I was like oh, maybe I do go there quite often but I might have only got it in the mist the iconic mist three or four times so my, your hit rate is tiny like yesterday looked like it was going to be and the day before misty there yeah. it wasn't It it was like,
0: you never know. I have a few locations in my go-tos. You you sometimes get there and the mist is the wrong type of mist because it's... Yeah, it turns to actual fog. Yeah, it's covering the top of the the, the hill. You can see the mound, but you can't see the castle, for example.
1: There's no castle. Uh, We call them like pea supers and you get there and it's just, everything's grey. You can't see a thing. (laughs) Uh, But we've had that before. And if we stay there for two hours, it will drop and the light comes through. That's it. But then... It might go from 20 people on the hill to three. and it's, yeah. oh, then. But then, to be honest, you don't know if those other 18 have got to go to work, which I used well, to that's do. So it. yeah. it's, it's life, right? So some people have to go to work or drop the kids off. So it's so difficult for everyone to get a shot yeah. if they can't commit the time. And uh, I, I've been there. I, I did it for six years where I was full time in work. So I, I know the struggle of getting a picture uh, where you can't commit all of your time to it. Yeah, definitely.
0: One of the things that I'm keen on, hearing from you is whether or not where you live has influenced how you shoot it Ooh. obviously influences what you shoot because you've got so many locations you can get to but it's, yeah I'm interested is what comes first is it the what and then the how or is it the how then the what interesting I actually think
1: you're onto something there because the way I approach locations where I am is I really take my time or I wait for some ethereal conditions. And when I'm away, I've never thought of this, to you ask this question, but I'll do the same. So I went up to Snowdonia with Nigel and Maz September last, yeah, last September. And we were going to go to all the same locations, but I ended up getting distracted by this really nice Roman bridge. So I just go off on my own and, and go there. I think I went there three mornings in a row and, mm. and they thought I was crazy. They're like, oh, Jack, you got the picture. What are you doing? Like, Yeah, but it wasn't foggy and (laughs) the water wasn't the right height. And I I was off with the composition by a little bit. So I went back the next day and it was rubbish. And and then I went back the third day and it was amazing. The mist was coming off the river. And I was like, oh, this is like so worth it. But I was only there five days and three of those mornings, I went to the same spot. And it's that's what I would do at home. So now now you've said it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a bit of a reality check. Maybe that is what I do. So I think going back to the same locations, one of my things where I will do it if needed and I don't really get bored of it. It's just got to be the conditions have got to be right. And I think if they're local to you, that's obviously a lot easier. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's snowed only for me is about a five hour drive, which you're from Australia, so that's nothing. Let's that's, that's go into the shops, right? That's well, <laughs> For me, that's an effort. Like I'll drive an hour and a half to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> wow, see that's nuts, isn't it? It's, I had a client, yeah, the client from Australia said the same thing. She's, you can get to Scotland in eight hours. I'd have to take three flights and or a five day road trip. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's put it into perspective. We are quite lucky, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you approach. I, I approach every location like I do at home. Oh, I want the right conditions. I want to get there early. And I think now that I'm full time, I've managed to venture out a lot. Whereas when I was full time with my work, I was very much Mr. Dorset. Like, I it'd be amazing if I left and took photos, people would be like, oh, you were at the same location again. I'm like, yeah, but I've got to go to work in an hour. So if I'm going to go to a place like Knowlton Church three days in a month, yep. I will, because it's on my way to work. But yeah. Yeah. whereas now I'm like, like I've just got back from, I went, okay. I went up to Edinburgh, went down to the Peak District and then next month I'm off to Glasgow and I've got some exciting trips in Europe coming up. But now I can commit the time. I'm going to treat them a little bit like I do at home and get very much into, I need to look at the weather apps and think about where am I going to go in what conditions? Like not just go on Monday, I'm going to go here, Tuesday here, Wednesday here. I won't do that. I'll get to a place and I'll check the weather and go, this place will look better in the sun. This place will look better when it's cloudy and I'll be very weather dependent on my uh, location choices. Yeah.
0: What's your most memorable experience out shooting? oh the blue say bluebell wood dreams is an image that uh
1: that that I sell and for me that is the image that's special to me because mainly because that's the one I took two weeks off for work on holiday for and it took me so long to get it it was seven mornings in a row that I did in spring um it's a woodland I know really well I've known it for years and we go for dog walks around there but in the spring you do get these lovely green lovely green beech trees but you also get the fresh bluebells come through from the floor. And for me, I really wanted it in the fog. I got quite fussy. I was like, I need the fog, but I also need the light. Yeah. So I need more of a mist fog and then the light to come through. And I went back like four morning. I went for four mornings in a row. There was nothing. I took the fifth morning off. I went back on the sixth, nothing. And each time I stood in exactly the same spot, Mm. like you, i'm pretty sure my tripod holes are probably still there in the ground Like i, I i've been so much that is i swear it's like a mark so i kept going back and going back and then the seventh morning my friend messaged me on his way to work He was like jack it looks quite foggy on the road um maybe you should give it another go and i was like yeah fine let's go for it i was up at four o'clock anyway went out and it happened and it was the last day and for me it was so special because i actually had the shakes and i think my live video is still on facebook it was about three or four years ago. But every now and then I'll watch the video and I'll be like I'm transported straight back to that moment. And every time I print it, all those memories come flooding back. Like I remember how cold it was. I remember the warmth on my face when it came across from the side, or I remember what camera, what lens I was using, everything like it just all floods back. So yeah, that's probably my most favorite
0: moment as a photographer. Awesome. What about horror stories?
1: Oh, horror stories. Yeah. So There's a place by me called Knowlton Church. And it's supposed to be one of the most haunted places in Dorset. And I've heard some weird stories from people that have been there. But I I never quite believed it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, like, it's what it is. People are just being spooky. But I once went there for a sunset. And there's this cluster of trees at the back. And uh, people hang ribbons and dolls off it. And it's weird. But um, I was stood there with my tripod getting a picture of the church. And everything was secure. It was all set up as normal. And all of a sudden, my camera fell straight off the off the ball head and just fell lens down on the grass and i was like this is weird did i not secure it but i picked it up the lens was fine and put it on the tripod ball head and everything was locked in place like i was like if i can't put the the camera back on the ball head How's it come up? I, it just really freaked me out, and yeah, well, yeah, since then I've I've never been back in the in the trees. Like I wouldn't go back in there. Um, <laughs> it, it freaks me out a little bit. My friend and I went there for the aurora, and uh, he said he saw the trees bend backwards, like a person, like bent backwards, and he almost ran back to the car. I was like, okay, yeah, this is not a place I'll come on my own in the dark. Like,
0: <laughs> that's not okay. So it has been a few little horror stories like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's the practice of photography taught you about nature?
1: oh to capture how quickly it changes like every season if i i get to see the same places in each season it changes so much and over the years that i've been doing it everything grows or collapses right like the trees i've been photographing for the last four or five years are getting bigger they've got extra branches they're looking different the the cliff faces around the south coast are collapsing like all the time like in west bay we have cliff slides like every other week it's Hmm. ridiculous. It's crazy dangerous for once. People always walk up to it, but two, like the composition that we take changes every single time because the formations are changing. And I think that's what photography's taught me is to to capture the change of everything that's going on. Because I then think, okay, I'm 30 in January. When I'm 50, and I'm still doing this, what's that avenue of trees going to look like? Like all our images nowadays, we all shoot raw, right? So, like in 20 years, I could take that raw file and edit it from scratch again yep. with the style that I've adopted when I'm 50. Yeah. But also look at it side by side with a picture 20 years ago. And it's like, that really excites me. I'm really excited about that because everything changes so quick. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're actually doing more than just capturing a moment. We're actually documenting the planet. I'm only in a small part of it. Everyone else around the world is capturing nature.
0: Yeah.
1: And who knows what it's going to look like in 10,
0: 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I oh, find I think- that really fascinating. Be- uh people that have been doing walks in mountainous areas where there's glaciers yeah and so, yeah you know, exactly yeah if we keep going in 20 years there yeah. won't be any glaciers exactly
1: and like all well, like the icebergs like imagine photographing an iceberg and next year that iceberg might not be there you've captured a once in a lifetime thing or Absolutely. that one polar bear you don't know the story behind that polar bear i find it so fascinating photography is crazy powerful when you think about when you think about it it's not just a lens and a camera it's yeah there's so much more behind it it's so deep isn't it absolutely absolutely yeah it made, my brain just goes off in a tangent right there I'm like <laughs> oh my god what I'm doing is actually crazy like when you think about it it's not a, it's not a snap it's
0: a thing <laughs> yeah. one, one of the other things you've mentioned a bit is uh, throughout this is that sense of community and collaboration how do you yep. see that being able to foster that and support and learn from our peers in the field because to um, me one of the reasons why i'm doing this podcast is to learn as much as i can from all sorts of different people about why yeah. not only why they do what they do but a little bit about how they do what they do and yeah so, so for me this is my way of fostering a, a bit of community but I'm, I'm interested in your take on how that gets done and how you see yourself participating in that community
1: yeah no really good question it's I'm, I'm quite lucky we have there's loads of photographers where i am but also all over the uk and we're all we all get on so well and we learn from each other we'll message each other and go oh jack did you think about cropping this image to look like this and i'll look at it and be like oh that image is 10 times better like yeah. i didn't see that but it's so important to get constructive criticism and i think constructive criticism is super important because if someone goes you get it in competitions all the time, right? Some a, An image will win the competition and someone will say, oh, I don't like that image. I'm like, what do you mean you don't like it? Look past the, what you're thinking. There's yeah. a deeper meaning to that image, right? So in, in our field, like I always feel like we can always learn from each other. So the sense of community for me is so important. Um, there's a guy called Andy Farrah that kind of, I say he took me under his wing, but he, he is he is my Yoda. Like um, when, when I started, he was like, I messaged this random print company about doing a print for me he replied and he said oh yeah come on in I'll take you through the print process and it said kind regards Andy Farrah and I was like oh my god that's the guy like I look up to yeah so like from that point onwards we've become great friends and he's one of my groomsmen like in in November like we're so close and he's to me I really look up to him and loads of other people now and I just love being part of that community and it goes from other photographers all the way down to people that just like my work so i'll be on a first name basis with hundreds of people on my facebook or something
0: yeah yeah
1: and i feel like we have a personal connection like i feel like they know me like i know them they know the name of my son that's three months old like it's it's more than just sharing a photo and hitting that like button to me it's it's building that connection and i think maybe that's what's helped me get to to doing this full time is not posting a picture and running I I really don't like that if someone takes the time out of their day to photo and comment on it I need to take time out of my day to like their comment and reply to their comment have a conversation with them like message them saying oh thank you so much like really appreciate you like actually taking time to look at the image like to me that's really important so community is a big thing for me I think whether that's 100 people or 100,000 people like it's just taking the time out to to be yourself and to look up to others and also to share your passion and uh, yeah just be yourself really yeah totally
0: where do you see the future of photography going and what do you see as the biggest challenge facing photography right now
1: oh see i see the future is so exciting i get this, I, I get a lot of people ask me this on workshops and they're like are you scared of ai and like all these sky replacements facial i'm like no because like you'll never replace real photography and like capturing nature for what it is. Like I've used Photoshop like 15 years and in architecture, I used to make buildings in Photoshop. So I could do crazy things in Photoshop with my images, but I don't because that's not what I enjoy. I enjoy capturing the moment. So if it takes me a week to get that sky or the mist, I'll wait a week. I won't just add it. So. The thing that scares me is people are adding things and trying to pass it off as photography. I'm like, there's yeah. such a fine line. Like, digital art is amazing, but
0: please keep it very separate to photography. Yeah, like, as long as you're up front and say, this is digital art, yeah. this is a composite I don't think there's anything that. wrong with it at all. If it is, that, if you say, oh, I took
1: idea. three of my images, made this, yeah. I ran it through AI, I added this. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Like, you've made what you were thinking in your head. Yeah. Um but th- that's your own thing. Photography is a completely different thing. As long as they're kept like separate, I'd say that's good. But I think I always think about what's photography going to look like in 20 years. And mm. at the minute we, we have like in the museums, right? Loads of like classic artwork. Like, yep. I like to think maybe one day the photography doesn't replace the artwork, but the artwork becomes less. And the newer generations see photography as we see art. Yeah. So, so maybe there'll be a switch one day where people are like, oh, instead of hanging art on my wall, I'm going to hang this photo on the wall because mm-hmm. that place doesn't look like that anymore. And they caught it in this. And I'd love it to be like that one day. If you go into the National History Museum and it's a proper photography gallery and, yeah, yeah print, I want print to be more of a thing. Yeah. I feel it's a real shame. So the social media is such a love-hate thing. I love it. but I hate the fact it's
0: so small. Yeah. I, I'm the same. Yeah. Do you know
1: what I mean? You don't. I've got like A two and, and the quality's on bad here.
0: on on some platforms. The quality's well,
1: yeah. terrible, and you get forced to use certain crops. And I'm like, really? That's not creative. So for me, as long as people get to enjoy working print, I think photography will always have its place, and
0: people will always want to do it and learn it. I think. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do when you're not out shooting, or editing, Ooh. or running the business? Oh God. <laughs> I don't think I do anything. What do I do? <laughs> I love playing tennis. So I'm a big tennis,
1: player. I used to love tennis. So I used to coach and play it. So I like to play tennis every now and then. Uh love going out walking, scouting. I guess that's still classes as photography, right? Yeah. Um, and then spending spending time with my fiance and my, my new baby boy. So he's three months old. We've had a proper life change. So for me, that's like the best thing. Oh, thank you. Like so for for me, like then he's the best thing ever. Like just being able to wake up and see his face, like smile. Uh, I'm like, oh, it's motivated it's motivating for me in the business and it's also the best thing ever to come home to so yeah spending time with them and our, our dog and just exploring and yeah a bit of tennis and
0: fantastic.
1: mainly photography I live and breathe it it's nuts if I'm out and about like we're even talking about our, like honeymoon for next year and I'm already thinking oh safari be cool I'm instantly thinking what lens I'm going to take it's not just a safari it's like I'm thinking about the photos like it's really bad I know Um, I know the feeling it's an addiction oh it's terrible it's it's an addiction it really is bad do you know what I mean like when you go out for a drive you can't go past looking at things without thinking that make a good photo Mm -hmm. or
0: I'll pin that on my maps and I'll go back there in three months when the light comes around I drove past the dam and it was middle of the day the light wasn't great but had some nice yeah. dead trees in it and some reeds that were a sort of a bluey green oh. and whatever. And I thought, amazing, I that's oh, I can see a westerly aspect here. That's going to be sunset. <laughs> You're instantly thinking, but, I'll save that place and I'll come yeah, back. And so, on, yeah. on the way back from where I, I drove to, to, oh, you did to it, Drive back, yeah, pulled over inside yes. the road. <laughs> <laughs> love that that see that is literally a day in the life of what we do absolutely yeah
1: literally a, yeah that is a good example i love that was the photo good you like yeah,
0: some of them some of them were pretty good it got some nice yeah. little rain showers off in the distance oh. as, as a as the sun was going down as well so you got that lovely rain light. one of the best things yeah. yeah you always get
1: the best light after a rainstorm
0: absolutely and also photographing in the rain is so
1: underrated definitely I, I think I've, I've probably ran about I don't know 120 odd workshops in the year, and I think I've only cancelled one because it was torrential wind and rain. But the others that we've had a little bit of rain with, people have been like, "Jack, I wouldn't have thought of going to the woodlands and using a polarizer to get the color and the rain falling yeah. through." And we've got some of like my favorite pictures from doing that. And it's yeah, oh, rain's another thing I could talk about for ages. Yeah, so <laughs> underrated. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not much fun
0: for astro though <laughs> terrible for astro yeah
1: wouldn't want to do it for astro photography or <laughs> long exposures because you will just be wiping the front element
0: the whole time yeah yeah totally <laughs> are there any photographers out there that uh you think i should be talking to on the podcast oh you've done so you've done mr Bloom, haven't you so he's a god so nigel danton's a,
1: a good friend of mine he, you'd love to have a chat with him he's so he's got such a good vision like mm-hmm. he, he's very like business vi- driven and loves his photography and being outdoors and he brings them together so well so he's really good my friend Andy farrer um wh- one of the most nicest guys ever and he's a real I'd call him like a classical landscape photographer like yeah. he's graduated filters like me likes to go to a place multiple times really nice compositions who else can I think of Oh, it's endless. Erin, have you talked to Erin Babnick before? No, haven't. She's on my list. Though. Oh yeah. gosh. Oh my god. Her her work is phenomenal. The Death Valley and Dolomites and things like that. That yeah, that's so inspiring for me. I think the 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 big adventure stuff I'm really into at the minute, like the big mountain stuff. the yeah, yeah. The, the the big vistas, the big panoramas. So
0: anything like that is awesome. Fantastic thank you for those last question and for many of my listeners it's the most important do you like pineapple pizza
1: oh do you know what i do like i wouldn't this is a right this is a tricky one i don't order it but my fiance loves it and okay. i always swap a slice of my meaty pizza for a pineapple slice because i like the refreshness
0: of it okay. but then i'll go back to eating the meaty one right i can get down with that <laughs> yeah okay I,
1: good what are you are you are you're buyer? i, I, or I wouldn't
0: order it but if it's there i'll i, I won't yeah. say no to it you know exactly yeah yeah i would uh, yeah i don't know if i'd
1: order yeah
0: we definitely wouldn't order it
1: By. i, like do, I don't too. fully
0: i i get I've, I've spoken to a few italians and i get their passion of yeah you know, no that's it's not a thing i get that <laughs> for cultural reasons for yeah for Americans Australians and Brits yeah, that freshness that bit of taste right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love pineapple I dig you, it there's no, people that just it. can't get their heads around that sweet and salty sort of thing no it works well with a bit of ham good bit of cheese yeah I'm, I'm down for it <laughs> all right it's been absolutely brilliant spending some time with you Jack let people know where they can find your work Oh, thank you, Grant. No, thanks so much for having me on board. And uh, yeah, you can check me out on
1: Facebook, Instagram, just Jack Lodge. And uh, my website as well is just jacklodge.co.uk. And uh, if anyone's got any way of getting in touch, just uh, drop me a line. I'm a, I'm an open book. So if anyone's got any questions about anything, just uh, get in touch. And yeah, no, look forward to, to uh, seeing more of the podcast and uh, keeping being inspired. Because that's what it's all about, right? Being inspired by
0: others' journeys and things. Cheers. Thanks very much, Jack. Thank you so much, Grant. All right, take care you too thanks again for listening to landscape photography world I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes you can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook I'm Grant Swinburne, hope to see you out shooting soon